When you do what you love, like running, like racing, like enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you and offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way toward reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, Fastest Known Time subscribers get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com/fkt. Hi, and welcome to the Fastest Known Podcast. Today's guest, I'm excited to welcome Dylan Bowman. Hi, Dylan. How are you? Hilly Goat. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Thanks for inviting me on, on one of your multiple podcasts. It's always <laughs> fun to sit down for a chat, and I feel like we're due for a catch-up. Yeah, we definitely are. And I mean, many of you know who Dylan is. I hope so. And if you don't, you should fix that. Um, so we're on the North Face team together. Uh, but Dylan, man, you've just had some of the most incredible races. I love following your races because you just, you, at- you attack them. You have such like poise and professionalism and just focus when you go on your races. Like in particular, I think of like, um, it is, it's what inspired me actually to do TDS. Um, you had this like epic battle. Um, I just refer to this guy as the Russian. I don't even know. Dimitri or something. Dimitri, yeah. Yeah. And who was the, who was the other one? It's like three of you were battling it out. It was, uh, yeah. Marcin Swerich from, from Poland. So yeah, you and I have, uh, being second place at TDS in common and we both had fairly dramatic knockdown drag out battles, uh, all the way to the finish line. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and not to mention, you know, like, um, ultra trail to Mount Fuji. Um, but I just, I just love, um, you know, on big, on big stages, just how you rise to the occasion and how you, um, you just have this professionalism and this poise about you when you're, you're racing these crazy things called ultra marathons. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Obviously, you know, that, uh, I love it. I take it seriously and yeah, you know, I like to, to leave it all out there. I my actually, yeah, as you know, my coach, Jason Coop, he, uh, he always gives me a hard time because I'm the guy who always a hundred percent of the time ends up in the medical tent. And, uh, you know, I may not be the most talented guy in the field, but yeah, I do have a propensity to, yeah, put myself, put myself out there, uh, every time. So, Oh, so this is like actually a perfect segue because, um, so as you know, the fastest known podcast, we're going to talk about FKTs. Um, and I mean, I have to mention it. I mean, we're not going to talk about it as much, but I have to mention this little, you know, Wonderland trail FKT that you did in 2020. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I mean, many of you probably, I mean, you know, you did it, Caitlin Gerben, another, um, you know, North Face athlete. She also did it. It was so cool to kind of see you guys um, attack it as a team and kind of do it in such close succession. But also something that happened is, you know, obviously you got the FKT on the Wonderland Trail. And this is a a pretty gnarly, you know, 92 mile trail, 20,000 feet of gain. Um, And I mean, a lot of people have tried to put down some solid times, but you wanted to go out there and kind of, you know, set a new, obviously like 
it's at yeah. a pretty stout time. Um, but yeah, walk us through that a little bit and then, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the story is that obviously we had no racing to do last year in 2020 due to the pandemic. And I sort of fell into a, a very lazy pattern of not really being motivated, not really sticking to a training plan having a few too many IPAs and just generally falling into a pandemic funk and realized that I needed to set a goal. And I'd always wanted to do the Wonderland Trail. And my wife and I moved to the Pacific Northwest fairly recently. We live in Portland, Oregon now. So Mount Rainier, which is where the Wonderland Trail is, is only two and a half hours from our house. And as I said, something that I've always wanted to do going back to when I first got into the sport and the record was then held by a legend named uh, Kyle Skaggs. And for those who aren't familiar with Kyle, he was sort of this mysterious young runner who uh, was just doing incredible things and really pushing the sport into a new paradigm. Uh, he broke the course record at Hard Rock and he did a number of things that were thought to be sort of on a different level at that time. He and Anton Krupichka and Joe Grant and uh, his brother, Eric Skaggs were all big inspirations of mine. And when I sort of like learned of the Wonderland Trail through Kyle's exploits on it, it always just sort of like sat in the back of my head as something I'd want to do eventually um, as part of my, my career in the sport. But as you know, Hillary, in the summers, usually we're off uh, racing and, and we've got sort of these competitive goals. And because the Wonderland Trail is in a fairly alpine environment, you sort of have a short window of time to do it, which is usually always occupied by some race goal. And so 2020 offered me the perfect opportunity to go after it. And so I trained up for it and gave it my best shot uh, in mid-August this past year, 2020, and I managed to break the FKT by 90 minutes, which, uh, which I was happy with. And I ran faster than I expected to, to be honest. And then five days later, uh, a friend here in Portland and really, really superstar ultra runner. And a guy who's like, I think really uniquely good at FKTs too. Tyler green broke my record. So my record only stood for, <laughs> for five days yeah. and, uh, and Tyler was able to take a decent chunk of, of time off my, uh, of my mark. And so now he holds the record and, um, yeah, of course it was, uh, it was a little disheartening in the moment, but I really did learn a lot about how to do FKTs from Tyler. As I said, I think he's really uniquely good at them and he holds a bunch of FKTs here in the Northwest, including around Mount hood, around Mount St. Helens, around Mount Rainier, all of which are super proud mm -hmm. FKTs to hold. And recently he just broke the lost coast FKT, uh, in Northern California as well. So it felt like I learned a lot from Tyler, um, and just like learned a lot about how to actually prepare for FKTs specifically as compared to racing, which is something I'm feel much more comfortable getting ready for. So that's, that's sort of the story of, uh, the Wonderland trail FKT. I had five days of glory followed it by a couple days of being sad about it. And then now look back at it with, uh, yeah, with, with perspective and with some gratitude that, um, yeah, you know, I learned something from it. 
Yeah. And actually, so I had the chance of, of interviewing Tyler about, um, you know, basically, you know, 2020 and his journey with FKTs. It's actually quite funny because the, the lost coast FKT that he, uh, set was also set by you. Um, so <laughs> he's like, and also he went after the one around uh, 50 kilometers around Mount St. Helens and you had also <laughs> gone that. So yeah. I was giving, I was giving Tyler a bit of crap that, you know, he's just waiting for you to set an FKT no, and then no. maybe he's going to go attempt it. <laughs> you know, I, I want to say here on the podcast, just because people will, will listen to this, people who are, are interested in FKTs is, you know, Tyler is nothing but a, a gentleman and a class act. And, and I want to mention that because after the Wonderland trail thing, I did get messages of like, who is this jerk who just came five days after you? And like I knew that he was going shortly after me. It was it was uh, it wasn't as if he was hiding it or waiting for me to go so that he knew how fast he had to go. Of course, you do have some. Um, I don't I don't know if you called it an advantage, but he he went second and knew the time that he had to beat, and um, you know did it fair and square. And Tyler and I are, are buddies, and I like I said I've been able to learn a lot from his approach to FKTs in general. And we, uh, we get some training in together here and I think super, super highly of him as an athlete and a person. So. Yeah. And that was interesting to get that story too. And, um, something I love about FKTs, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's unique. It's not a race. So you don't, you don't have kind of, you have to have a different strategy. You can't, you know, compare yourself to someone else who is literally right there. You know, someone's giving you kind of split updates about where different people are to you in relation to, you know, you coming into a certain aid station. And so it's hard. And, and maybe in some respects, yes, Tyler, he got it in like a fair and square way, but sometimes I think that's also difficult because he knew the time he did have the splits from you. But that's also definitely mentally draining to be like, if he's coming in and he knows that he's like behind a pace or something like this, it's also can be, can be difficult, but it's something I love about FKTs because you have this, it's an invitation, you know, you set a, a strong time, you know, like you have these legends before you who put down these, these stout times, then you go there, you try your best, you either set it or you don't, there literally is no second place with FKTs is you know, um, <laughs> well, you know, I'd love to talk about that too. I mean, yeah. maybe we yeah. can bring the FKT authorities into a thing that, uh, you know, I kind of feel fairly passionate about and that I really think they should adjust those parameters. You know, I, I think there is a lot of value in recognizing the people who have run it second, third, fourth, fifth fastest and, creating a little bit of a hierarchy over the course of time, uh, especially on these super iconic routes where like, for example, the John Muir trail mm -hmm. where, uh, Francois Dane set an absolutely scorching FKT and a super supported style. And it's going to be kind of that type of mark that I think lasts for a really long time. And now will dissuade people from even attempting it because they won't have any recognition. And for, it may sound selfish, obviously for me being the second fastest on the Wonderland trail, but I am on the FKT message board because at one point I did set the fastest known time. So people mm -hmm. can go on and see that I've, I've got the second fastest time, but I think it, it would only encourage more participation in this movement. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of pride to be had in running the second or third or fifth or 10th fastest time 
on these really iconic routes like the Wonderland Trail, like the Rim to Rim to Rim. So anyway, that's my, my little diatribe on the FKT podcast about why I think we should loosen up the, uh, the regulations a little bit. So bring that to Buzz and see what he thinks. I'm sure I'm not the first person to suggest that. Yeah, and in fact, you're not. And I think actually I had this conversation with Tyler Green as well, um, <laughs> yeah. but and not just you too, but I completely agree because I think that there is, I mean, you know, we're, I think the times that were set previously, it's setting new precedents. And so then it's an invitation to kind of go and be like, wonder like, hmm, do you think I can set a new FKT? So I think that that is actually really important. And, you know, when we look at different races, you know, um, like Western states, for example, like, and records that have been standing for so many years, I think that's also an important history in FKT culture. So um, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, so I guess we'll have to start an online petition, but uh, no, it's it's that. a great thing. You know, I think uh, obviously the FKT movement has gained a lot of steam over the course of the pandemic, and it's great to see people out pushing each other on these amazing mm-hmm. routes and, and almost approaching it in, in a more competitive way, just because there hasn't been a lot of competitive outlets. And I just mm-hmm. see there being opportunity to expand the footprint of the FKT movement by bringing more people in. So, yeah. And this is a perfect segue actually to another question that I wanted to ask you. You, you said that Tyler, uh, you know, he taught you a lot about kind of the style of, of FKTs and, and you said at the beginning of this, that racing is kind of, you're more comfortable in that setting. Um, and is that why you've chosen to like a lot of your FKTs, even your most recent one that we'll, we'll talk about, um, the Joshua tree, um, the FKT that you just set, um, but they're supported. So this, it, it brings this kind of race mentality, uh, to the FKT, which, I mean, it's, it's great. You know, people can do supported, unsupported, self-supported. Um, but I definitely do agree that, um, supported allows you to run the fastest time that you can. Um, so I'm just curious as to why, yeah, do you choose supported because it's more race-like? I guess it just kind of depends on the route that I'm going after. And admittedly, I haven't done that many FKTs really. The Wonderland trail was the only FKT that I've really like trained for and approached it with a race mentality. And the reason I did it supported is because that's the style in which Ryan Gelfie did it, who had the FKT beforehand. I absolutely love the idea of someday doing the Wonderland trail in unsupported fashion too. I just think it's the perfect trail to approach in that style because there's plenty of water. There's, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to get yourself in a, in a dangerous position just because, uh, it's in a national park and the trail is well marked and things like that. Uh, but that's really the only reason that I've focused mostly on the supported FKTs. My claim to fame, I think, in, in FKTs in general is that the ones that I've held up until this Joshua Tree Traverse have all been broken within like a few days of me setting them. And I guess so I did the uh, the Lewitt Trail around Mount St. Helens. That was unsupported, but that's because it's only 30 miles and you can't really receive support out there. And then I yeah. did the Three Sisters circumnavigation in Central Oregon. That was unsupported for similar reasons. Both of those were broken, you know, like the five, six days later. The Wonderland was broken a few days later. Uh, yeah, the Lost Coast was broken a maybe a couple weeks later. So yeah, Joshua Tree Traverse is my, the first one that's lasted more than a couple of days. Um, but yeah, you know, I like all the different styles and eventually I'd like 
to I'd like to try more yeah self-supported unsupported long ones yeah and so you you talked about some good points right there so obviously to to choose supported on like unsupported or self-supported it's more about i mean yes speed right but it's also about access like those those are important things to to consider it's not just about kind of the style that you want to um that you want to do these um these efforts in but um yeah there's more of a complexity involved in it um but i find like I don't know, I guess like doing a supported style FKT, it actually would keep me more honest because if not, I feel like I would just be like, oh, I'm just out for like my own little like long run in the woods, like just bringing my pack and my snacks. And like, I don't know if I'd like be pushed to like run fast unless I have someone like waiting for me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, I like uh, sharing it too. And you're right. I think it does give you a little bit more of an incentive to just like, in my case, not want my wife to like spend her entire day kind of being my support crew or sag wagon and, you know, try and speed up so that she can get on with her life as well and not have to babysit me so much. But yeah, I don't know. There's, I think a lot to be said for each, each one of those different styles. Yeah. And so, yeah, talking about your Joshua tree, the FKT that you, that you just did, when was this? When, how many weeks ago? It was mid-March, so five, six weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that you were on a road trip, um, but was it specifically for this objective or kind of what, what was the spark of choosing, of choosing Joshua Tree? Well, we wanted to just go get some sunshine. <laughs> we were in the middle of what had been a pretty dreary few weeks here in the Northwest. And uh, yeah, things were starting to open up on the COVID front. I had some friends and family in California who uh, had luckily been vaccinated and who uh, we wanted to connect with. And so we uh, packed up the truck and we drove south for a little while. And yeah, I mean, I guess to answer your question, the Joshua Tree Traverse was sort of on the radar as something that I could do during the trip. We were gone about a month. So uh, we didn't plan a lot. It was sort of a, uh, yeah, a, uh, we were embracing flexibility. I guess you could say we didn't have a lot of things set in stone or on an itinerary during the course of our road trip. Um, but the Joshua Tree Traverse uh, fit perfectly. And I had never really explored that area. And having lived in California for a while myself, I always intended to and, and just kind of never got around to it. And of course, that area, the Palm Springs area is well known for being a spring oasis for people who need to get some sunshine and some warm weather. So it was an easy place for us to go to. And uh, yeah, the, the trail didn't disappoint. It was a lot of fun. And so, I mean, I understand it's, you know, 50 kilometers um, roughly, um, but uh, was there any sort of scouting that you did um, to prepare? No, obviously you can do some scouting on Strava, downloaded the GPX file onto my phone, looked at it a little bit, but for the most part, it was total on-site, never stepped foot on the trail before. And uh, typically I would approach it with a more intentional, more strategic type approach, like I did for the Wonderland Trail, uh, where I actually did the full loop over three days a few weeks before I made the FKT attempt. And maybe that's something we can talk about, but Joshua tree was very much uh, just an on-site thing. It was a, mostly a training day. And um, 
just an opportunity to, to knock some rust off and push hard again over 37 miles. Uh, and luckily it's super well marked. You're on yeah. the same trail the, the whole time. So compared to other trails of that distance and other FKT objectives, the navigation was not an issue at all. I think I probably stopped twice to look at the Gaia GPX file during the f four hours and 15 minutes that I was out there. So pretty negligible amount of mm -hmm. navigation. Um, so it's really a perfect early season uh, opportunity to, like I said, just, just push hard again, rev the engine and, and get ready for hopefully some races this year. Yeah. So, I mean, that is something I wanted to talk to you about is how, how you, how you prepare for these types of FKTs. I mean, since me knowing you, um, I, I love how, when you, when you race, you actually know how to recover really well and like take it easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when you're like kicked into to gear, um, I don't know. I think you, you can kind of, I think, you know, how many weeks or, you know, months of a good training block that you need before you're ready. And I think relatively speaking, it, it's a kind of a shorter amount of time than, um, than most athletes, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess what you're referring to is something that I like to harp on a lot. And that is just how important it is to be fresh and motivated when you're doing something super long. And I, I find that obviously fitness is really important, but that, that motivation and the energy that I'm feeling before the race is more indicative of how the performance is going to end up than how long my training block was. And so I like to err on the side of doing maybe a little bit less training, obviously still making sure that I'm in good fitness, but not stepping over the line to the point where I may not feel eager and willing to go to those dark places in a race because I've gone to those places too much in training. So, you know, for FKTs, obviously, like I said, the Wonderland Trail was really the only objective that I've set that I've approached with a real serious, almost competitive type approach where I've had like a training block leading up to it. All the other FKTs I've done have been very much like long training days, uh, sort of race simulation type efforts to kind of prepare for something else, not things that I've actually had focus on in and of themselves. And I think that's one of the great things about FKTs. They are a great sort of race simulation or training stimulus. Uh, that it's hard to get just like in a standard workout on your own or with a training buddy. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you know, that's, that's sort of my philosophy as it relates to training, still train hard, but for shorter periods of time. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I respect that. I like that because yeah, I think, um, you know, if you, if you go to the well too many times, it's, a uh, yeah, might not work out so much for you in these, like in these, you know, these times when you actually want to run hard. Um, but another thing that I really like about FKTs is just the diversity of them. Um, I mean, you train and you primarily race in more mountainous environments. Um, but Joshua tree is completely different. Um, yeah. did you like fall on any cactus? Like I'd be afraid of that. <laughs> no, actually. I mean, it's a, definitely a route that I would recommend and especially to do it in sort of the February, March timeframe, I think it's probably perfect. I think at this point we're recording now in late April, and this is probably when it starts getting a little bit too warm to mm -hmm. 
really uh, push hard on it. I think you could still go out and have a fun day out there, but you'll be exposed to the sun for a long period of time and you probably get pretty fried. <laughs> but in the, in the early spring, it's perfect because it's a fairly forgiving route. The navigation is easy and it's not a terribly challenging route in terms of the terrain. So it, as for my purposes, as I mentioned, it was more for just to get out and push hard and uh, get like a solid workout and sort of race type stimulus in and was able to do that without really accessing a deeper level of energy or, or putting myself in a, a position where it was going to take a long time to recover. The trail itself too is just like pretty soft and cruisy with the exception of the first five miles and the last five miles, which are very soft and, and sandy. So they're <laughs> a little bit difficult, but most of the route is uh, just like really pleasant running. And, and uh, the day that I had out there was, was just ideal, perfect weather, yeah. nice and cool, but sunny uh, and not crazy windy. It can sometimes get really windy down yeah. there too. So Anyway, yeah, had a had a good day, had uh, good conditions, and um, yeah, I would definitely recommend that route to people as, yeah, it, for in and of itself for just sort of a long run experience, but also as like an early season kind of race tune up route. I think it's perfect. So, does this inspire you to do other FKTs, or your passions more for for the race side of things? My passion is definitely on the race side of things, uh, especially at this point in my career. I'm trying to, you know, take advantage of time. I turned 35 a couple of weeks ago, and you know, uh, when you when you sort of hit that number, you start to sort of look at yourself in the mirror and think, "Man, am I am I old now?" And no, I still no. still very much feel very motivated to compete. But I do like the FKT things, and I I actually am going to go after one this weekend. I don't know when this podcast is going to go up, but I plan to uh, to go after an FKT this coming weekend. So maybe you'll have to have me on the show, and we can talk about it. Again Ooh, a follow later. up. Uh, do you want to tell us which one you're going after? You don't have to. Well, maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Okay, cool. I like it. Um, I mean, but hopefully this podcast, maybe we'll, you know, we'll include it in the show notes or just yeah, have you okay. on for another, for another uh, recording. <laughs> I'd love that. So <laughs> sweet. Um, but so I guess to kind of, before we switch gears and I want to ask you about some other things outside of running, um, which are running related, but um, what are you, what were you hoping to use Joshua tree for, you know, to train, to like dust the, knock the rust off for what reason? So my main competitive objective for the year is the hard rock 100. And, uh, I feel very good about the fact that I think it's going to happen this year after two years in a row of cancellation. Uh, that's a race I've wanted to do my entire career. Uh, something I've been looking forward to for like two and a half years at this point, since I got in via the lottery at the end of 2018. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, really hopeful that I'll finally get the opportunity this year. So Joshua Tree was a good sort of early season test of fitness, a good way to sort of boost my fitness into the next level. And then I was actually supposed to go down to Argentina for the Patagonia Run 100 miler in April. And of course that got thwarted due to uh, more COVID concerns down in South America. And uh, at the end of the day, it was a good thing that uh, that I bailed out of that one. But hopefully this FKT that I sort of have planned this, this weekend will be another uh, good 
race simulation type experience and a good fitness boost that'll put me in a good position to race well at hard rock. And like I said, that's typically how I've used these types of FKT efforts in the past is just a good hard day out. That'll help get me ready for a competitive objective. I like that. And, uh, also I think it teaches you to, you know, be able to take care of yourself too, even if they are supported. Um, you know, it's just, it's the mentality of being like, okay, like, you know, I'm on, I'm on this trail, let's do this hard. And yeah, let's do, let's see what I can throw down. Yeah. Um, and, and stay motivated too, right? Cause you don't have other racers out there. You're right. not like, oh, I'm five minutes behind or this guy's right behind me and, and keep yourself motivated that way. You really have to kind of be on top of the mental game the whole time too, which is I think a good reason to do FKTs as practices for race experiences. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, but selfishly, I hope, uh, does this mean I get to host you in, in, in Colorado now as you prepare for Hard Rock? <laughs> yes, yes, I can't wait. So we, we actually just booked our sort of training camp uh, destination. I'm actually going to go to Mammoth for a little while to, to train for mm -hmm. Hard Rock starting June 1st. And then we'll make our way out to out to Colorado, probably around July 1st. So um, yeah, I can't wait to get back out there. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be great. And so hopefully I will, I will definitely be there. Hard Rock is one of my favorite races of all time. Um, but I wanted to ask you about something else. Cause obviously, I mean, I, you inspire me in, an incredible amount, not only through just your, your racing endeavors and how you as an athlete and how you train and approach these objectives. Um, but also what you're doing outside of the sport. Um, so you also have a podcast, so I'm shamelessly plugging this. You guys should go listen to it. It's pillars, right. Um, yeah. and you've renamed it cause you did have a different one. It was called the well previously. So, um, yeah. you, know, you can follow that on, on, um, Dylan's Instagram. Um, uh, but yeah, I wanted you to kind of tell us about this project that you've been working on. Sure. Thank you. And you're, you're my inspiration too. So the, the feeling is mutual and uh, I appreciate you giving me the chance to talk about it a little bit, but yeah, basically, um, you know, obviously during the course of the pandemic, we were all sort of like had more time on our hands or maybe that's not the right way to say it, but it, allowed us all to kind of think differently about what we're doing with our lives and which direction we're heading. And if that direction is in fact, the direction that we want to be heading in and reorient things, if it, if that's not the case. And also, as you know, in 2019, I went through a, a, a horrible bit of injury that, uh, you know, I feel silly complaining about to you knowing that you've been through a lot yourself, but you know, it was a really difficult moment in my career and in my life. And I feel like I really learned a lot from it. And I just, you know, as you know, Hillary, and I think as people who listen to my podcast know, I just freaking love this stuff, man. I love the sport. I love the people. I love what it does for you. I love um, just the culture, the community, everything about it. I find just totally captivating. And for that reason, I wanted to sort of kind of like put something together that um, did justice to that feeling that allowed me to have a different impact on the sport. And so we were, uh, we sort of came up with this idea to make a mobile app. Uh, and to my knowledge, it's sort of the first and only mobile app designed specifically for trail runners. And so what we want to do is just kind of give people as much 
information and inspiration as they could ever need to come into the sport because I know that the sport just touches people deeply and changes their lives and connects them to amazing people and experiences and, you know, creating an online digital platform that is sort of like a little future forward, a little bit more innovative in a sport that I think uh, is sort of uh, agnostic to innovation sometimes. And so, you know, providing um, interactive training plans to people, some strength and movement material, some yoga and meditation and breath work stuff, um, some PT inspired content and uh, nutrition. And we're working on a women's health module. We're working on sports psychology module. So just really trying to focus on the 360 degree um, you know, approach to being an athlete and not, and not neglecting sort of the, the internal life as well. And as you know, and as I've sort of talked about here, I find that to be a huge opportunity for us all to improve our performances, to, to focus on improving, uh, you know, our, our personal lives and our mental health and emotional health. And, and that's something that I feel really strongly about, especially emerging from this injury that uh, I talked about and also just like cultivating community. And, and we've just, I've just had so much fun meeting and interacting with the people who are, are part of our community. Now we're doing a, a zoom call every week where we talk about training and have special guests on to sort of talk about stuff. In fact, we should have you on too, to, yeah. to talk about your book and stuff as sort of like just an opportunity to, to, to connect and, and answer questions and, and share the love and passion of the sport that I have. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's called Pillars, uh, P-Y-L-L-A-R-S. You can find it in the Android or iOS app store. So we're on both platforms. And um, yeah, and then like you said, do, doing the podcast too and starting a YouTube channel, it's getting some good, uh, getting some good traction. And yeah, we're just trying to, to have an impact on the sport and um, to, um, yeah, just sort of it's preach the gospel of what makes uh, trail and ultra running. So gosh, darn amazing. <laughs> oh, see, um, I mean, I hope everyone who's listening to this is just as equally as, as inspired as I am. Um, and maybe we can start a petition, you know, with pillars is to put this whole idea of, you know, the FKTs, like the top, what do you think? Top five, top three, top 10 times. I think top 10 would be reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Especially for the iconic ones. Like, would you, do you think it's every FKT or just why not? I mean, I don't know the, I'm sure there's back-end considerations of like what they would have to do with her database and all that stuff. I'm sure it would be really complicated, but I think top 10 is reasonable. Yeah. And actually you said this earlier, um, but I'm trying to remember the word, ah, the on-site FKT. Yeah. That should also be a category. Yeah. It's not a bad idea, is it? Yeah. Just yeah. going and flying blind on site for those who are unfamiliar, I think it's like a climbing word, meaning yeah. you just show up and go for it on site without any pre reconnaissance missions. So yeah, yeah that's it's, how I approached Joshua Tree and it, it worked out. I like it. All right, we're gonna start a new thing. Um, but wow, I think that's all I had for you today, but Dylan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And what can we, I mean, hard rock, but I'm, I really want to know what this FKT thing is that you're going for. Um, so we're, we're going to have to have you on for, to find out what, what, what you did. 
Heck yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully, uh, well, I'll share it on my Instagram this coming weekend. I'll, I'll make sure to give the, the pre send announcement and, uh, and if all goes well, then yeah, maybe you can have me back on the show and we can talk about it a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Always a good time chatting with you and, uh, yeah, we'll have to have you back on my show here very soon. Yeah. Thanks Dylan.